It's a blessing to be here today and uh, to be able to share with you once again from God's Word. The title of this morning's presentation is When Prayers and Tears Are Not Enough. When Prayers and Tears Are Not Enough. Let us pray. Loving, kind Father, it is such a blessing to be able to be here, to be able to listen to your word being spoken. But Father, unless your word changes us, it is completely in vain. I pray that you may speak, but you may open our hearts to be willing to listen to your word. And may your word do its work in us to change us into your likeness. And so I plead this, claiming the merits of Jesus Christ. In his name we pray, amen. I want to start with a story that I read not too long ago. Um, I guess I had read it before, but it never really stuck to me. And this is the story about Brother Howland. It's found in the ninth volume of Testimony, page 191. It says, Years ago, when the company of believers in the soon coming of Christ was very small, those at Topshan, Maine, met for worship in the large kitchen in the home of Brother Howland. One Sabbath morning, Brother Howland was absent. We were surprised at this because he was always so punctual. Soon he came in, his face aglow, shining with the glory of God. Brethren, he said, I have found it. I have found that which we can pursue a course of action regarding which the guarantee of God's word is, ye shall never fall. I'm going to tell you about it. He then told us that he had noticed that one brother, a poor fisherman, had been feeling that he was not as highly respected as he ought to be, and that Brother Howland and the others thought themselves above him. This was not true, but it seemed true to him, and for several weeks he had not attended the meetings. So Brother Holland went to his house and knelt before him, saying, My brother, forgive me, what is it that I have done? The man took him by the arm and tried to raise him to his feet. No, said Brother Holland, what have you against me? I have nothing against you said the fisherman. But you must have, said Brother Howland, because once we could speak to one another, but now you do not speak to me at all, and I want to know what is the matter. Get up, Brother Howland, he said. No, said Brother Howland, I will not. Then, said the fisherman, I must get down. And he fell on his knees and confessed how childish he had been and how many evil surmising he had cherished. And now he said, I will put them all away. As Brother Howland told his story, his face shone with the glory of the Lord. Just as he had finished, the fisherman and his family came in, and we had an excellent meeting. Suppose that some of us should follow the course pursued by Brother Howland. If, when our brethren surmise evil, we will go to them saying, Forgive me if I have done anything to harm you. We might break the spell of Satan and set our brethren free from their temptations. Do not let anything interpose between you and your brethren. If there is anything that you can do by sacrifice to clear away the rubbish of suspicion, do it! God wants us to love one another as brethren. He wants us to be pitiful and courteous. He wants us to educate ourselves to believe that our brethren love us and to believe that Christ loves us. Love begets love. Oh, friends, this is an amazing story. And it reminds me about an estrangement that is a little bit bigger than this story, the estrangement between God and the humanity or human race. 
when a human race was separated by God, there was a plan that was put in place to save us. And I want to briefly look over this plan. If you have your Bibles, you can turn with me to Romans. We're looking at Romans chapter 5, and we're going to be looking at verse 6 to 8. It says, For when we were yet without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet peradventure for a good man some would even dare to die. But God commendeth or demonstrated His love toward us, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Verse 9, Much more then, being now justified by His blood, we shall be saved from the wrath through Him. And so I want to just explore this plan a little bit closer. We want to look, first of all, what was the motivation or the motive that led Christ to, to, to follow with this friend? It said, God commanded His love or demonstrated His love towards us. And we see what motivated Christ, what was the motive, was love. Love is what pushed God to action when there was an estrangement or a separation. The second thing we want to look at is what was the mission, or another word would be the goal. And so here it says, um, Christ died for us. And why did He die for us? It says, for much more than being now justified by His blood, we shall be saved from the wrath through Him. So here we see that the purpose of God was to be able to redeem us, to save us. So we, he, here we see we have a mission and a motive. The motive that prompted God while we were yet sinners was love, and the mission was to be able to redeem, and as a result, to reconcile fully humanity back to God, or at least those that would be willing. And then we want to look at the mindset, the mindset. So we have the motive, the mission, and now the mindset. And if you turn with me to Philippians chapter 2, it's a very uh, a text that we all know. In Philippians chapter 2, talking about what kind of mindset did Jesus have when there was this plan was put in place to bring about reconciliation. Philippians chapter 2, verse 5, the Bible says, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, being the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, and took upon him the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of man. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself, and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Wherefore God also hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name. And so here we see the mindset is humility. So we have a motive, which is love that prompted him. We have a mission or a goal or the purpose is to redeem. And then we have a mindset and the mindset is humility. So what happens when a brother offends me? And there's an estrangement between myself and a brother or myself and a sister. Why is it important for us to understand the way that Christ went about bringing reconciliation? Well, the Bible has told us, as the Father has sent me, Jesus said, so send I you. The way that Christ um, dealt with estrangement, conflict, situation, I suggest, is the same way that we ought to also bring about reconciliation with the people that we are estranged in our lives. And so, you know, growing up as a child, I didn't really know or understand this biblical principle. 
And so I'll just be very blunt with you and try to explain to you what I saw as what was the steps to take um, if ever there was uh, a separation, a conflict, tension between people. I always thought that if you were a very bad Christian, then what you would do is you would just explode. Meaning if somebody comes to you and, and, and calls you something or offends you, if you're a bad Christian, then you'll just blow up in their face and start swearing or whatever. That's really, really bad Christian. And then I always thought if you were like a so-so Christian, you, you, you wouldn't blow up, you wouldn't curse, but you, you would remain calm. But um, what would you would do is that you would avoid the person, but talk about the person behind their back, you know, and, and start talking about how, um, you know, this person is not that good, and you know what this person did to me, and da da da, and, and you don't even know what this person is, and, and so they're a so so Christian. And I've always thought if you were a good Christian, of course, you would never blow up, you would, um, you would remain calm, you would avoid that, that the person with the conflict that you had conflict with, and, and, and you wouldn't even tell others about it. Uh, and if you would, you would only tell it in a very concerned brethren or concerned sister type state. Say, you know, we need to pray for these individuals. And, 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 you know, and, but most of the time you would shut your mouth and, and not say anything. And then my understanding is if you were like this amazing, good, amazing, powerful Christian, is you would definitely not explode. You would definitely remain calm. You would avoid the individual in question. And you would even fast, pray. And if you were on the next level, you would even weep before God for this person. But friends, that is not what the Bible tells us is the method that we ought to follow. And that's why I tell you the title was When Prayers and tears are not enough. When you have conflict, when you have trouble with individuals, when you have pain or bitterness because of something somebody did, you know, this, this, this concept of, you know, you crying and you're, 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 you're asking God to be with the person, and, and, and which is good. These things need to be done, but it's not enough because there's also a method that is outlined in God's Word that I believe if this method was followed, I believe there is no limit to what the Holy Spirit could do because so much bitterness, so much things would be swept away from God's church. I personally believe that bitterness and estrangement is one of the top reasons, and the pen of inspiration supports that, top reasons that is keeping God's Spirit from being outpoured in His church. From, if you want to call it liberal to conservative to whatever other name you want to call it, this is something you find everywhere. Individuals that are not blatantly out in open sin, but they are holding bitterness and grudge and there is estrangement in their hearts with one another. So what is the method that ought to be followed? If you turn with me to Matthew chapter 18, Matthew chapter 18, and we're looking at verse uh, 15. So we have here the motive that was Christ should be ours, should be love. The mission that was Christ should be ours, which is redemption. The mindset which was Christ should be ours, which is humility. And the method should be Matthew 18 as outlined by Jesus Christ. Matthew 18 verse 15, the Bible tells us, Moreover, if thy brother shall trespass against thee, Go and tell him his fault between thee and him alone. If he shall hear thee, you have gained your brother. So here we see the first point is this. It's very interesting is that it's the one that is offended 
is the one that's supposed to go. You know, this goes against um, reason or the things that we have been taught. The way I've been taught as a child is that if I'm the one that, that causes pain, if I'm the one that does something wrong, I'm the one that's supposed to go and apologize. And you know, I think that is still clear. Of course, if, if, if you're the ones, you should still go. But it's funny that Christ doesn't talk like that. God, Jesus here says, if you are the victim, you are the one supposed to go. And this is very, very, very important. I have dealt with many issues. I work with people as a literature evangelist director. There's a lot of conflict sometimes we have to deal with. And, and I have realized that if I deal, for example, with two individuals that have a fallout, had a fallout, what happens is when I go to one person A, the person A believes that he or she is the victim. And when I go to person B, the person B believes that he or she is the victim. So no matter what or who instig instigated or who started, I have realized there's always this victimization mentality. So one person says, well, yeah, it's true that I did this, but the reason I did this is because this person did this. And the other person says, well, the only reason I did this is because of this person did this. And, and it's very hard to be able to determine sometimes who started it, but it's not that important in their mind who started it. The person that started it is not important because what the reaction of the person that didn't start so much overshadowed there in their mind the bad that they did, and therefore that's irrelevant. So they are the victim. So Christ says, okay, 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 that's fine. You know, you both think you're victim, fine. If you're the victim, guess what? You're the one I'm asking to be able to get up and to go. And, you know, when you go, you don't go and apologize for something you've never done. But I'm telling you, like Brother Howland, I have done this in the past, where if there's an estrangement between myself and someone else, I will go. And I will not apologize for something I don't know, but I will apologize for the estrangement. And I will say something like this, just like Brother Howland. I'll say, you know, look, John, it's John's is the guy's name. I said, John, look, you know, I, I just want to talk with you. I've realized that, you know, we used to have maybe a, a better connection, but there's tension between us. And, and look, I just want to apologize. Honestly, if there's anything that I have done to offend you uh, knowingly or unknowingly, you know, I, I, I just want to apologize. I, I don't want us to be estranged anymore. So here you come with a spirit of humility and it takes... Uh, humility because we are so proud and we say, well, I'm not going to apologize. I'm not the one that did anything wrong. But notice here, the motive is love, but the mission is redemption. The purpose why I go and meet this individual is not to be able to, not to be able to, to, um, to bring about more tension and, and to put a person in their place, but I go to this individual out of love. And for redemption. So we're going to talk about that a little bit later. But I notice, I want you to re re realize this first point. The offended one or the hurt one is the one to go. Step number two, it says here, if your brother shall trespass against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. Do you know that there's some things that your spouse should never know? Some, oh, some people say, no, 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 I need to tell my spouse everything or my best friend or whatever. No, there are some things that your spouse, your closest soul buddy, whatever you want, 
should never know. It says, go to that individual alone. So I have this brother, brother Bob, I want to call his name, and he's offended me really bad. And so I may say, well, you know, he's really hurt me. And so I decide I'm not going to go to him because I'm maybe a little too proud or I didn't do anything wrong or whatever. And I think he's the one that needs to come to me. So I go home to my wife and I say, you know, Bob, you know, he, he seems like a good brother and everything. But you know what he called me or you know what he did to me? And, and I can't believe. And my wife's like, no way. So I say, yeah, this is, th- I can't believe this. And then I go, I go to, 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 to his, 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 his pastor and I call his pastor and I say, you know, you know, Bob, Man, you know, I'm concerned about it. We should pray for him because this is what happened. Da, 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 da. And then I call his mother and I say, you know, look, can you do something? Because this is what happened with Bob. And then I call his conference president and then I call his union president. And so I call all over the place. And, you know, many times if we're more righteously inclined, we say, you know, or we think we are, say, you know, I, I call not because I want to gossip, but I just want to, I'm concerned for this brother and, and we need to pray for him and he's hurt my feelings and blah, 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 blah. And then I go to God's Word and I say, whoops, my bad. I realize I should probably have gone to him one-on-one. So I go to Brother Bob and I say, look, I'm sorry, you know, is there anything I have done? So I swallow my pride, I pray, I go to Brother Bob and Brother Bob says, Uh, And let's say he avoided me when he came into church one morning. And so I got upset and whatever. So, but he comes and says, you know, brother, look, my dad just died that very day when when I saw you in church. Or or I didn't actually see you in church. And that's probably why I I was zonked out. I, I, I couldn't see any. I just kept walking my you know and so sometimes it's it's things that are explaining you can explain away sometimes it's not sometimes brother bob just says you know lord you know john i i look i'm just i'm just sorry you know i've had a rough month i took it off on you and so we kneel together we pray together we cry together and everything is okay is everything really okay so now Bob and I are best friends we're best buddies we're we're, we're my arm is over his shoulder and we're walking down the, Everything is not okay. Because I go back to my wife and I say, Hey, you know, you know, sweetie, you know what I told you about Brother Bob? You know, he, 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 he's not that, that bad of a person. And my wife looks at me and says, Uh-huh. Says, um, I think you should just beware of him, John. And I try to be able to call other people. I can never undo everything that I have done. And so that's why in the Bible it tells us, If your brother has offended you, you go to Him alone. You don't go start talking to nobody except for God about it, right? The third point is very important, and that is, it says, if He hears you, you have gained your brother. Within that phrase is a powerful, powerful point. The purpose is to redeem your brother back to Jesus Christ. That is the purpose. Now, the purpose is not to give your brother a piece of your mind. Very important. If you want to give anybody a piece of your mind, you do that at the foot of the cross. The second point is that the purpose is not to set your brother in his place. That is the role of the Holy Spirit. You don't go to your brother and say, Look, I'm going to give you a piece of my mind and you you need to stop doing this because da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da. Is it important to dialogue? Is it important to instruct as brothers and sisters? Yes. But when... There is estrangement. That is not the time to do this. The time to be able to to talk with the 
individual the time to be able to give somebody a piece of your mind you do that at the foot of the cross you at the foot of the cross as you kneel in prayer some people it may take you an hour 30 minutes other people you know because they've offended you so much you may have to spend a week or two or more you know in prayer until God is able to give you that 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 love that peace and that, that, that ability now to be able to go to that individual one-on-one without blowing up, without trying to give them a piece of your mind, without trying to be the Holy Spirit to convict the person of a wrong that they have done, that is not your role. That is not your role. It says, if your brother hears you, you have gained a brother. The purpose is redemption. Wow, that's amazing. That's why it's so important to be able to understand What is the motive we had talked about originally? The motive is love. That is what should move me when I go and meet my brother should be love. So if I have anything but love, and remember, love is not just an emotion. Love is a principle. So sometimes I may not necessarily feel that overwhelming, uh, gooey type love towards an individual. It's a principle that I accept by faith. And so I will go to the brother even though I feel hurt, but I will... Ask God to give me a desire for his or her salvation above the hurt feelings in my heart. So the motive is love. The mission is to redeem my brother. The mindset needs to be humility. That's why it's so important to spend time at the foot of the cross before I go and speak with that brother. Because if I go and there's pride in my heart, it's not going to work. You know, I work with student literature evangelists and they have leaders that are over them and, uh, and then their leaders report to supervisors, supervisor reports to me, right? And then what happens is sometimes I'll have students call me directly and say, you know, I have trouble with this leader and, and I don't know what to do. And I say, look, have you talked to the leader? He says, no, I don't need to talk to the leader. I know exactly what the leader is going to tell me or what he's going to do. That's why I'm calling you. And I say, you, I'm sorry, are you God? You know, how would you know that? No, I know. I said, look, Matthew 18 principle, you go and talk with the leader first. Remember the training that we did about some of the principles in Matthew 18? I want you to go and talk with that individual first. And then if things don't work out, then, you know, the supervisor or myself can get involved. And so sometimes, you know, you'll have an individual that call you back. See, I told you it wouldn't work. I told you it wouldn't work. I went and I talked to him and he told me exactly what I told you he would tell me. And I said, oh, okay, I'm sorry to hear that. Um, What did you tell him? Well, I told him how he hurt me and what he did to me and da-da-da-da. And I told him and I put him in his place. And I tried to, you know, tell him what he ought to do and not to do. I said, oh, okay, okay. I guess you forgot the other part of the training that we had. What do you mean the other part? Well, you you know, if if you put him in his place, was your, your purpose to to save him, to bring him back to Christ. Because obviously, if he's so wicked, you know, he, he needs Jesus. Uh, because if you're going to go to heaven, I'm going to go to heaven. But if this guy won't go to heaven, we want him to, to, to come back to Christ. No, isn't that? And, 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 I, and, and, and maybe you're, 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 you're the Holy Spirit, you know, maybe you took on the role of the Holy Spirit to put him in his place. Because from my understanding from the Word of God, that's not the purpose. So maybe that's why when you went to him, it didn't work. It didn't work. So it's important. What is the motive? The motive must be love. What is the mission or the purpose? Must be redemption. And what is the mindset? The mindset when I go should not be pride, should be humility. 
So the first point is, it's the one that is offended that must go. The second point is that we are to meet alone. Now, I do understand that if there's some more serious implications, for example, sexual abuse or those kind of things, we have to be careful because there are some individuals that have a predator type mentality. So if there's someone that abused me sexually, I'm not going to go and, and meet with that individual alone. This is a criminal act. And, um, and so we have to be wise in the way that if you go and meet that person alone, there may be another sexual harassment or so forth. So you have to be, uh, you have to realize there are, um, there are sometimes when a person blatantly commits criminal act, you just need to report and they need to go to the jail. Doesn't mean that you don't have to, uh, doesn't mean that you wouldn't have to find um, forgiveness in your heart with God's help. And there's, and sometimes there can even be some kind of, of reconciliation. But I hope that you can understand as we're going through this, that just because you are reconciled with your brother doesn't necessarily mean that you'll be the best buddy, 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 you know, because we have different personalities. Um, it, we naturally will click with some people more than others, you know. In heaven, I don't believe that I'll be the best friend of everybody in heaven. I will definitely love everybody. Everybody will love me. We will be, you know, one happy family. But it's just normal that there's some individuals, because we have uh, certain personality and so forth, that we are uh, we may click more with. And that's fine. You know, God has given us different personalities. We should all have the same character of Christ. But the personality is how we exemplify that personality, uh, that character. And, and God has made us different, which is fine. And therefore, we may have attraction to different individuals. But it's important to understand the motive, the mission, the mindset, and the method. Well, what if Bob doesn't listen to me and he, he just kind of screams at me and, and so forth? He doesn't care. Listen, when you have a plan in place, you don't need to get, get upset. We blow up. We start crying many times when we lose control and we don't know what to do. But when you have a plan in place and, and Brother Bob blows at me and says, you know what, you can just go to wherever. You know, I don't need to get upset back at him. I know it's like, no, it's okay. I know the next step I need to take. The next step is I need to go find somebody, one or two individuals, and we need to now meet with Bob. We need to meet with Bob. So it didn't work out one-on-one, -on -one uh, but we want to be able to reconcile the situation. We want to reconcile uh, Bob also back to God, and therefore I go to somebody else. I don't go to somebody that has beef with Bob. I don't go to somebody that hates Bob. And I don't even go to somebody that doesn't understand the principles of Matthew 18. Because then we're two people ganging up on Bob. I'm going to go to somebody that understands and appreciates the Word of God and understands and appreciate the fact that we can spend time together before we go to Bob. Somebody that when we go to Bob, we can both be humble about it and we can both be filled with God's Spirit and we can both seek to be able to restore Bob back to God. That is the type of individual I want. And when we go and we go to Bob and we talk to him, we're praying. One is talking, one is praying. We're trying to restore Bob. But you know, if Bob blows up again and just doesn't want anything to do with whatever, then we are told in, um, might as well just read it, it's verse 16, it says, But if he will not hear you, then take with you one or two more, that in the mouth of two or three witnesses every word may be established, and if he shall neglect to hear them. By the way, verse 16, one or two more, another purpose is 
in verse 15, sometimes it can just be said, it's he said, she said. And uh, the verse 16, it's important because now it's not he, he said, she said anymore. But because there's two or three witnesses, then we can make a, it, it's, it's clear, you know, of what is actually happen, happening uh, between our, in this situation. And verse 17 says, that if he, Brother Bob, in this case, shall neglect to hear them, uh, tell it unto the church. But if he neglect to hear the church, let him be unto thee as a heathen man and a publican. So we see here that there comes a point where it needs to be taken to a higher church or a higher authority. And, uh, and, but it's interesting to realize, you know, um, if he doesn't hear you, you bring it to a higher authority. Why? Because the issue is not anymore the guy didn't look at me when I came into church. The issue now, after we've discussed, after we've talked about it, after we've asked him to just surrender and pray, and if he, together, and just, and, and if he doesn't agree, then it's just blatant rebellion. Rebellion, that's the main issue we're dealing with. So, these principles, by the way, they work not only for, um, they work not only for individuals in the church, but I have found that this principle can work in, in, uh, in, in a school, of course, it has to be modified. It can work in, in a workplace and, and so forth, where, you know, in your workplace, if you have an issue, you can talk to the individual one-on-one. -on -one. If it doesn't work, then you can go and bring a supervisor or somebody else to be able to help. And if that doesn't work, sometimes things escalate a little bit more. And there comes to a point where, at times, there, if there is no resolution, there must be a disconnect. There must be a disfellowship type thing. So it means that maybe it means that I may have to work somewhere else because it just doesn't seem to work in this situation, right? And in this place, the individuals in the context of the church, there's this fellowship that happens because obviously with the rebellious mind, that individual, Brother Bob, has decided that, you know what, I, I with, through my attitude, I'm showing that I'm not wanting Christ uh, in my life, and therefore this continuous thing says, I want this fellowship, his actions are saying, this fellowship from the body of believers. But it's interesting to know and he says, let him be as a publican. I want you to remember that Jesus says, it is not those that are well that need a physician, but it is those that are sick. He says, I didn't come to call the righteous, but the sinners to be repentant. Jesus came to be able to bring salvation to the publicans, to the sinners, right? So the way that I treat that individuals, even though there might be a disconnect, I should still be able to treat that individual with love, with respect, and hoping, I mean, I may not be best buddies, but I'm hoping by my actions, by my kindness, I will be able to bring that individual back to Jesus Christ. And so that's why when we say publican or sinner, why you treat that individual like a publican or a heathen, we send missionaries to, to heathen lands to be able to save them. And therefore, this should be exactly the same mentality we have with that individuals. Why should there be a disconnect or a disfellowship? Well, the Bible tells us, can two walk together unless they agree? And obviously, if there's an individual that doesn't want to, to submit to Christ, then the church is going one direction, the body of believers is going one direction, and that individual is blatantly going 180 degrees the other direction, then there needs to be a disfellowship. That, so that even to the world and to the church, it can be clear that this individual, we still love him, 
but he is not anymore part of the mission and focus of the body of Christ. And we are still working with this individual to bring him back so he can start going in the direction of God's church. And friends, I hope you can understand that if you have a church, and I just want you to imagine this, you have a church where you have half of the individuals going one way and half of the individuals going the other way. It's complete confusion. It's complete, uh, uh, you know, the world looks at that and even other church members look and they just, there's, it's confusion because, and, and, and then even those that are good Christian, quote, quote, they are crying and, 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 they, are, and they have tears and they're praying for the church and the situation, but nobody, because of issues that have happened sometimes for two, three, five, ten years, nobody is saying, wait a second, you know, we're crying, some people are crying on both sides, people are hurt everywhere. He says, wait a second, what if we actually would start following the biblical principle? Well, it wouldn't work. I, I mean, we, they won't even talk and whatever. Well, well, if it doesn't work or they don't talk, we know the different steps we needed. Well, you're not going to disfellowship everybody and so forth. What if, what if our ministers, our church leaders would actually have the guts and the courage to say, you know what? By God's grace, I'm going to fast, I'm going to pray, I'm going to ask for God's wisdom to be able to do what God asks us to do. And in the process, if some people are weeded out and, and decide to become, quote, quote, as heathens, then let it be, we're going to still going to work with them. But we need to be able to follow God's principle so that God's Spirit can once more be poured out upon ourselves, upon our families, upon our churches, and we can truly accomplish the purpose and mission that God has for us to be able to be an instrument of, sal of salvation to the world. So my question for you this morning is what's blocking the way? Is there something or somebody in your life that you just haven't learned to forgive? And you know, wherever I travel, I, I realize more and more that there's so many people that are struggling with this, with their father or their mother or their kids or, or their sister or, or aunt or whatever. And sometimes individuals are long dead and buried six feet under and, and there's still grudge and there's still hatred. And these are people that, that are coming to church, you're returning tithe and you're praising the Lord and you're, you're doing your Sabbath school lesson or whatever else you, know, you, you, you feel you, you, and you enjoy it too. But there's that bitterness. There's the lack of forgiveness. And you know we are told, it's not just pen of inspiration, science is showing that as you're holding on to that, there's disease that are happening. No, no, it's just hypertension. You know, I'm just, and the, and the doctor's giving me a, a, a pill on that. It's, it's, you know, it's being dealt with. And not realizing sometimes even some of the physical ailments that we have, the anxiety, the depression, whatever it may be, many times it is linked to this spiritual issue. And some of you will tell you, well, John, you know, I, look, it's not, maybe I understand, but I, I can't, I can't forgive. I mean, I, I, what am I going to tell? I'm going to tell God, look, I, I'm sorry, and I'm not, you know, I mean, I, it's, it's not going to work. I don't even want to go there. And you know, I'm telling you, if here on this side, here on this side, it's forgiveness and letting go, and you're not on this side, you're completely on the other side where you don't even want to go to that section where you want to let things go and, and you don't even want to go there. 
But I'm telling you, don't lie to God. You can tell God. You can be honest and you can say, Lord, over there where, where you want me to get, I guess, to the point where I can forgive, I don't even want to go there. I don't want to go there. I don't want to forgive. I, I can't forgive. And, and there's too much pain. And if you could only understand, God, how much this person has hurt me. You know, if you meditate on this following statement, you will see that it is true. When we say something like, God, you know, I can't forgive this person. What we're saying is that, <laughs> God, you don't understand. The way this person has hurt me is bigger than the way I have ever hurt you. Let me repeat that. What we're telling to God is, God, the way that individual has hurt me is way above what you can understand. Why? Because it's way above the way I have hurt you. And when we all start understanding that we are hurting Christ every day, even more than anything anybody has ever done to us, and when we start meditating upon how much God forgives us, friends, that is a starting point to help us to start having God's Spirit soften our heart so that we can get to the point to forgive others. But going back to my point, that if over there on the right-hand side is where I ought to be, and I'm on completely on the left-hand side, and I have pain, and I have suffering, and I don't want to go there, and I don't even want to open it up, and I just want to ignore this thing, and I just want to ignore the person, but I catch a glimpse of maybe what God desires of me and what God can do in me. And so I tell you, brother, my sister, be honest with God. When you go before Him, don't tell Him, yeah, I forgive this person. Well, you don't, you know you don't. But you can come to God and say, Lord, I'm not even willing to go over on the right side. I'm not willing to go there. But Lord, I'm willing for you to come into my life and start working in me so that one day, if you can do it, Lord, that I will become willing. And in other words, what you're saying is, Lord, I'm willing to be made willing. I'm opening up my heart for you to come in. I don't want to go over there. I can't even go over there. It's too painful. But I'm willing for you to come in. And I'm willing for you to start working in me. And, and Lord, you and I together, if it takes a, a month, if it takes a year, I mean, the timing is up to you. But I'm willing for you to come in and start working on me to change me and to do with me what you desire. And friends, God will take you right there. It's amazing how we serve a loving and patient, patient God. My prayer for, for us is that we would, we would start somewhere. I don't know this morning if there's somebody this morning that, that is struggling with this. In any crowd, I know there's quite a few that they're still struggling with issues with family members and with church members or co-workers. And you know, sometimes we, we, we have moved churches and um, sometimes having a lot of churches in the area is not a good thing in the sense that people don't deal with their issues. They just go to another church. And we've never dealt with that brother or that sister. We just let the years roll by. And sometimes we even move to a different workplace to avoid the individuals. Um, and yet there's still that bitterness 
there's still that pain. And you know, as long as we hold on, it's limited what the Holy Spirit can do for us and definitely what God's Spirit can do through us. And so, I don't know what your struggle is this morning, but I pray that, um, that if this is something that you're struggling with, as we bow our heads in prayer, I'm going to give you a moment of silence where you can talk with God about this to start on a journey of true freedom, of true peace, and then I'm going to pray. Eternal loving Father, you're so loving and so patient towards us. Oh, Father, forgive us for hurting you, causing you so much pain. You have said that you are long-suffering, meaning you suffer long because of the pain, the rejections, the, the indifference we have towards you, towards your law, towards your, towards your purposes and desires for us. Every day, no matter how much we have hurt you, when we come back to you, your arms are not tighter just saying, no, 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 you know, I don't know if I can hug you anymore. Your arms are open wide, just as before, to allow us to come and you give us that hug no matter how many times we have caused you pain. And Lord, this morning specifically, we come to you because for some individuals, there's some people that we just can't seem to forgive. There's so much pain in our lives. And we've, we've just explored the, the way that you have told us to go about to do things. And... Um, Holy Father, we can't do it. But Father, you have said that your grace is sufficient for us. Your strength is made perfect in our weakness. And so as we open our arms wide to you and run to you as your arms are open wide to us, oh Father, we are willing to be made willing. We're not willing to forgive maybe, but we're willing for you to come in and to start a work in us to transform us, to change us in your likeness, to cause us to be so close to you that you can empower us to let people go. And not only that, to be even instruments if needs be. Just like Paul was used to be able to bring a jailer that whipped him, bring him and his family to you. Maybe even you would use us to bring, as it were, enemies to you. We can't even imagine it. But the one thing we want to imagine, and we can, is that we can run into your arms and you can start doing a work in us for we're willing at least for that to happen. And so, Father, please take us where we're at and save us into your kingdom, we pray. For we ask these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse a website dedicated to spreading God's Word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.